Okay, we're in Revelation 13. I missed last Sunday. Heidi and I were out of town. We had a great uh, uh, vacation, and, and, but we're back, and we're excited about being in the Word of God with you again this morning. Thank you so much for uh, allowing Pastor John and Heidi to get away. We had a great time. We were supposed to do the vacation last summer, and a stupid virus canceled it, so we, we, we did it uh, in January. So today, we're looking at the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the mark of the beast. And we're going to see this morning probably one of the most detailed accounts in Scripture of what the Antichrist is going to be. Who is he going to be? And we're going to, give you, we're going to give you a number of descriptions within Revelation 13 of who the Antichrist is going to be. And then we're also going to see, along with the Antichrist, there's going to be a second beast. And the second beast is the false prophet, who's basically a part of the satanic trinity. You know, the, 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 the Trinity is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But what we're going to see this morning is Satan himself during the end times, during the Great Tribulation, is going to have a satanic trinity. It's going to be the dragon, which you saw last week in Revelation 12, who swept his tail, and a third of the angels went with him out of heaven into hell. And the dragon, whenever you see dragon in the book of Revelation, it's always Satan. And then there's the beast. The beast is the Antichrist. The Antichrist is Satan incarnate. That's Satan's man. Just like Jesus Christ was God incarnate, so the Antichrist is Satan incarnate. He's, we're going to see this morning, he has the full authority of Satan, and he is Satan in the flesh, possessed by Satan and given the power of Satan. That's the Antichrist. That's the beast. And then there, there, there's, there, there's the third person of the Satanic Trinity, and that is the false prophet. He's the second beast, and he's a religious leader that's going to use signs and wonders to give elevation to the beast, the Antichrist, in the whole world. He's going to uh, have this, this system we're going to see this morning of worshiping the beast, the Antichrist, and then even giving a mark of the beast to identify that you're a worshiper and follower of the Antichrist. And this beast, the second beast, the false prophet, is going to give all the attention of the world to the Antichrist. And that's exactly what we're going to see this morning, what the Holy Spirit does on the other side. The Holy Spirit's job is to draw us and give our attention to Jesus Christ. So do you see this counterfeit trinity we're going to see throughout this chapter? And I'm going to give you a number of W's this morning that's going to describe who this, this, this Antichrist is. And so if you're taking notes, well, I think it's going to be about seven W's throughout this chapter that will describe who this Antichrist is. Now, throughout the ages... People have thought the Antichrist was already in the world. Now, we do know from the book of 1 John that the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. It says in 1 John 4, 3, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard that is coming and is now already in the world. So the spirit of this Antichrist is already actively working in this world. And throughout the ages, the spirit of the Antichrist has been in this world. And, and I tell you what, all the way from the beginning of the church, they thought that the first Caesars, the Christians thought, were the Antichrist. Why? Because they were being told by these Caesars, you must imperial worship. You must worship Caesar. You must say Caesar is Lord. And literally, thousands of Christians were killed in amphitheaters because they refused to bend their knee to Caesar and worship Caesar. And if I was a Christian in that time in the persecution of Christians, it'd be very easy to believe that one of those Caesars that was telling me to worship him was the Antichrist. Now, that wasn't the Antichrist, but he had the spirit of the Antichrist. 
I tell you what, if I was living in World War II history time, and Hitler was the world dictator that he was trying to be, and everybody was walking around saying, Heil Hitler, raising their hands to Hitler, it'd be very easy to believe at that point the Antichrist is here because he had the spirit of the Antichrist. During the Cold War, remember the Cold War? With communism, many people thought Michelle uh, Gorbachev was the Antichrist because he was with his communist system trying to have world dominion with communism. But all those guys had the spirit of the Antichrist, but they weren't the Antichrist because there is going to be a one world leader, the Antichrist, who's going to come in during the Great Tribulation after the church is gone, the church is raptured, and he's going to have these characteristics. And so let's look at what these characteristics are. Again, the spirit is already here. The spirit of the Antichrist is already here. But I'm not sure if he has actually been born yet. He could be, because I think we're getting close to the rapture. And, and we might be the generation where the Antichrist is already at his place, and then after the rapture, he'll take over. So let's look at it. Chapter 13, verse 1, if you're there, say amen. Okay, here we go. And the dragon, who's the dragon? Satan, that's right, the dragon from last chapter, chapter 12, stood on the sand of the seashore, and then I saw a beast. Who's the beast? It's the Antichrist. Coming out of the sea, having ten horns, seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, diadems are crowns, and on his heads were blasphemous names. Now, the first thing I want you to see about this beast, this Antichrist, the first W that characterizes who the Antichrist will be is he's going to be wicked. Because he's called, what's his name? A beast. Now, if you go back to the Greek, on the, the word, Greek word for beast is a monster. And a monster that's venomous and a monster that literally translated into Greek is wicked. And that's what will characterize him. Make no doubt about it. Now, he's going to come on the scene and he's not going to have red pajama suit with a pitchfork, okay? But he's going to be diplomatic. He's going to be charismatic. He's going to be probably one of the greatest uh, peacemakers that have ever lived, bringing peace first to bring world dominion, but he's going to be wicked. Don't, no doubt about it. He's going to be possessed by Satan himself. We know that from later scripture. We know that, uh, that the authority of Satan is given to him. Look at verse 4. It says, and they worship the dragon because he, the dragon, which is Satan, gave his authority to the beast. And then in verse 2, something very similar. It says, and the dragon, into verse 2, gave him his power and his throne and his great authority. The dragon being Satan. So this guy is satanically possessed and given the authority of Satan himself. Similar, again, counterfeit of what Jesus did for us as disciples. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Matthew chapter 28. So we are given the authority of God to go in Jesus' name. Satan is now giving his authority and his power to this monster, to this beast, and that's the Antichrist. So do you get that? First W is he's wicked, no doubt about it. He's given full authority by Satan himself. He's given the power of Satan himself. And again, if I was a pastor during World War II and I saw the film that they were showing in movie theaters and everything of what was going on in Germany and seeing Hitler fill up stadiums with his wickedness and his oratorical skills and having the whole stadium of German people raising their hands to him and saying, Heil Hitler! I would be a pastor saying, the Antichrist is here. Because I believe Hitler was similar to the Antichrist. He, he was possessed 
by Satan himself. He was wicked also. And he filled Satan's shoes by killing six million Jews, part of God's chosen people. And so this, no doubt about it, this Antichrist, he's going to be wicked. The second thing we're going to see about the Antichrist, look at verse 2. And it says, And the beast, which I saw was like a leopard, this Antichrist had the characteristic of a leopard, his feet were those of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him, again, his authority, or his power, and his throne, and his great authority. So here's the second W. First of all, it's wicked. Second W is world dominion. And it's going to happen fast. That's what's being characterized here in verse 2. When the Antichrist, the beast, comes on the scene, he's going to come like a leopard. What's a leopard do? A leopard's quick. And it's going to happen probably within just a three and a half year period. He's going to gain the whole world dominion within just the first half of the Great Tribulation. He's going to come like a leopard, come on the scene. And then the second part of his world dominion, he's going to come like a leopard, and then he's going to be like a bear. What's a bear do? Well, my dad was a bear hunter. My dad was in the Air Force. I was actually born, I don't know if you knew this about me, I was born in Anchorage, Alaska. That's why I'm in South Kakalaki right now, because I hate cold weather. <laughs> I hate it. This, this morning, forget about this cold weather. But I was born in Anchorage, Alaska, because my dad was a captain in the Air Force, and he, he helped administrate Elmendorf Air Force Base in Anchorage, Alaska. And fortunately, we moved when I was 18 months old. I don't remember all that sub-zero weather, anything like that. But I remember growing up as a kid, and my dad would tell us bear stories. Because other officers he was friends with were pilots. They'd fly some of the other officers up into the glaciers, my dad included, drop them off with a week, week's uh, uh, food and a pup tent and a, a sleeping bag and rifles. And my dad, when you'd go into his office, before he passed, he had a real estate office in Chicago, and when you'd walk in his office, you'd go past the sales office, you'd get to his office, and he'd have, I remember, he had a desk against the wall, and then a table desk, and underneath the table desk, there was this nine-foot-long brown bear with eyes. You walk in his, it just was intimidating, because you walk in his office, and this bear is staring you down in his office. And I remember bear stories when I was a kid. What my dad would say was when they'd go bear hunting, they'd always make sure they had a clear shot of the bear and would kill the bear with, with, in the vitals because if he didn't shoot in the vitals, he just winged the bear. My dad would say, that bear would have you for lunch. And, and you, couldn't, you, you, could, you couldn't even climb a tree because the, the wounded bear would climb a tree and have you for lunch. And so my dad always said, if you're going to go bear hunting, Chip, my nickname is Chip, make sure you don't take a shot until you can kill the bear, because if you don't kill the bear, the bear will kill you. And so what's that tell us about the Antichrist? He's going to come like a bear. He is going to be not only wicked, but he's going to be violently taking over the earth, and anybody that opposes the Antichrist, the Antichrist will kill. And that's why Christians, throughout the seven years of Great Tribulation, they won't worship the beast and won't worship the Antichrist, they're going to be martyred. That's going to, that's going to happen to millions of Christians during the Great Tribulation that won't take the mark of the beast, will be martyred by this bear, by this Antichrist that's giving world dominion. The third thing we're told about his world dominion, he's like a leopard, he's a bear, but his mouth will be like the mouth of a lion. Can you say Lion King? And what do lions do? They're the king of the jungle. And when they take over, they declare their supremacy, and their dominion by roar like that, right? 
And they declare who they are through their roar throughout the jungle. And this uh, Antichrist will be declaring his power like a lion. And so this world dominion, it's going to happen quick. It's going to happen violently. And it's going to be declared throughout the whole world by this Antichrist, his world dominion. And then it goes on. So the second W is world dominion. That says in verse 3, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed. And they followed after the beast. So this is the third thing that's going to happen during this Antichrist reign. It's going to be world dominion, and that's going to be wonder. There's going to be a wonder, an amazement, it says there, of the Antichrist. Why? Because there's going to be a fake resurrection, a counterfeit resurrection. What's going to happen is someone's going to come on the scene and oppose the Antichrist. There might even be a group of uh, people opposing the Antichrist, and they're going to try to assassinate him. And after he is shot, it's going to seem like he has a mortal wound, it says there. And then what's going to happen is he's going to be resurrected. Can you say counterfeit resurrection? And that's exactly what Satan does, by the way. He's always trying to counterfeit what God does. Because what happened to our Savior? He was killed, and he was mortally wounded on the cross, and he died for three days, and then the third day, he rose again. And, and what's going to happen with this Antichrist is he's going to counterfeit that. Now, notice the words, as if he was killed. It's a fake. He wasn't really killed. It's as if there was a mortal wound. And so there's going to be a fake resurrection. Now, this tells us something about Satan also. Beware of counterfeits. Jesus said a part of the last days is many false prophets will arise. We're told throughout the scriptures we're to test prophecy, we're to test teachers, we're not just to take things for, you know, like, oh, that's absolute truth when that might not be. And a part of the spirit of the Antichrist is deception because Satan is a liar, he always has been, and he always will be. And so what that tells us, even in our generation right now, test your teachers. The Bereans were called noble-minded in the city of Berea because they searched the scriptures themselves to see if what even Paul was saying was truth or not. And in these ages that we're in right now of counterfeit, these ages of false prophets, these ages, ages of false teaching, which was predicted by Paul, Paul said in the last days, teachers will arise who will just tell people what they want to hear, tickling people's ears. And we're to be Bereans during these last days. Bereans are people that search the scriptures yourself and see if it, what even if what Pastor John or Pastor Mike, is that what the scripture is saying? And we want you to do that. We really do. The, the philosophy of Calvary Chapel is we want all people to be students of the word of God yourself. Why are we doing an apologetics conference? Because we want you to study the word of God yourself. My goal for Sunday mornings, my goal, my goal for Wednesday night is we want to get you in the Word, but we want to just be an appetizer. We want the main meal for you all to be your daily reading and devotions yourself. We want you to be students who study the Word of God yourselves, students who rightly divide the Word of truth so you're not ashamed of what you know because you know the Word of God yourself. And when, and when you're listening to somebody and you know the Word of God yourself and they start giving you false teaching, counterfeit teaching like the Antichrist will do, here's what happens. And when you know the Word of God, red flag, red flag, red flag. And for me, it's red flag, turn the channel. Because I'm not listening anymore if you're trying to tell me something that's not biblical. Test your teachers, because we're living in the spirit of the Antichrist, and the spirit of Antichrist is a counterfeit. 
It's a false teacher. It's a false prophet. It's false teaching. And so that's what's happening. In the midst of this, there's a wonder of this guy, an amazement of this guy, a following of this guy. Notice what 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen to 15 says. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Do you see that? That's the spirit of the Antichrist. False teaching, counterfeit things, where people are amazed at the counterfeit. And that's wonder. And then it goes on from wonder, and then wonder to worship. And they worshiped the dragon, verse 4, because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, who's like the beast? Who's able to wage war with him? So fourth W, what is it? It's worship. And we're told in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that Satan is going to, again, possess the Antichrist to the point that he's going to be led to put himself on a throne in God's holy temple. Listen to 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4. It says, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, that's the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object to worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. That's what the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to get the temple rebuilt, and then he's going to get the whole world to worship. Listen, his image in the temple, he's going to have this image, and he's going to be on the throne of the temple, and the whole world is going to worship him. Jesus called this the abomination of desolation. It's the final tipping point where what's going to happen is it's going to bring the final judgments of God upon the earth because Satan himself has, has possessed the Antichrist to set up an image of himself so the whole world will worship his image in the temple in Jerusalem. God's holy temple will be used by the Antichrist to bring worship to him. And at that point, the Jews are going to say, there's going to be a light going on with the Jews, and the Jews are going to say, no! We can't worship this man in this temple. That's our temple. And that's when the Jews, Romans 11, 25, and 26, will, will, all of Israel will be saved at that point. The, the veil is going to be lifted. Their eyes are going to be open. And then the Jews, are, as a nation, are going to turn to Jesus Christ because of this false worship of the Antichrist. And so the fourth W is worship. Now let's go on. And there was given to him a mouth, verse 5, speaking arrogant words, and blasphemies and authority to act for, for 42 months, as three and a half years was given to him. And he opened his mouth and blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, and that is those who dwell in the earth. That's the fourth thing that's going to characterize Antichrist, his words. It goes from worship to his words. What's going to characterize the Antichrist's words? Blasphemy, arrogance, pride, and just evil. Do you remember what Jesus said about people's hearts? Out of the abundance of your heart, what? Your mouth speaks. You know what's in someone's heart by what's coming out of their mouth. And the Antichrist's mouth is going to be characterized by arrogance, by blasphemies, and notice, also by words against not only God, but God's people. We were in the airport flying back yesterday, and... I was sitting down there, and I was 
waiting for the next flight. We had a little bit of a longer layover and stuff. And this lady comes up, and I think she had a big blowout with one of the ticket ladies or something like that. And she sits down, and I think her mom was sitting right next to her. And out of her mouth just started coming F words and S words and everything else. And I'm thinking, she's talking to her mom like that? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I felt like, literally, I felt like, is there a shower around here? I need a shower by just hearing those words coming out of her mouth. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the Antichrist will have words that are blasphemy against Jesus Christ. He'll have words that are arrogance, pride, and not only that, words that are violently opposed, not only to Jesus Christ, but those that follow Jesus Christ. His words will be marked by those kind of things. And then it goes on after the words, and it says, this is interesting. It was also given to him, verse 7, to make war with the saints and overcome them, and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. And all the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, the sword, he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and faith of the saints. The next W, interesting, six W, war. And he's going to make war, again, against anybody who opposes him. And he's going to make war against those people, notice, whose name had been written in the book of life since the foundation of the world. Now, that's interesting to me, because if you're a Christian here today, you're a part of that tribe. You're a part of the tribe of people whose name has been written in the Lamb's book of life since the foundation of the world. You know what that tells me? That tells me in February 1978... When I bent my knee to Jesus Christ over 40 years ago, my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But it wasn't written right then. When was it written? At the foundation of the world. God knew before this world was even created or in the process of creating this world, he knew that in February 1978, I would bend my knee to Jesus Christ in my name. He wrote in the Lamb's Book of Life as he was creating, or even before the creation of the world. Man, that makes me feel special. And if you're a Christian here today, God wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, even before the foundation of the world. And not only that, listen to this. He knew the purpose he had for your life before the foundation of the world. That's what we're told in Ephesians 2. After it says we're saved by grace through faith, it says we are God's workmanship created created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that what? We should walk in them. He knew your gift mix. He knew you, what, you, what you were called to do. He knew your potential. He knew what you're supposed to be doing for the rest of your life with what he created you and the good works he could prepare beforehand that you should walk in them. Isn't that cool? But listen, 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 listen. If, if, if anything should keep us in the right direction and keep us grateful, thankful people is knowing that our, our names are written on God's land book of life. That's amazing. You know, one time the disciples were sent out by Jesus in the 70s 
uh, actually 70 of his disciples were sent out two by two to do ministry. And if you remember the scene, they came back after their ministry and they said, Jesus, the, the, the demons were released from people. People were healed by your power. It was awesome. And Jesus said, hey, don't rejoice that demons were released from people. Don't rejoice that even the people were healed. Rejoice at this. Rejoice in the fact that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we should be a grateful people that serve Jesus with all our hearts for the rest of our lives with those works which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life for the rest of eternity. That's awesome. But listen, a part of being a part of that group is for Christians during the Great Tribulation is they're gonna be, a, they're gonna be at war with this Antichrist. And listen, today, if you're a Christian, you're at war with Satan himself. Our war is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities, demonic forces, and we're not here on vacation for, for 70, 80 years. We're here in a war. And, and we're told, like Paul, we're supposed to fight the good fight. We're supposed to finish the course. We're supposed to keep the faith. There's a crown of righteousness awaiting us as soldiers as we fight this war. And that's what's going to be happening during this seven years. There's going to be a great all-out war against Christians and all followers by Antichrist against uh, Christians. So the, the sixth W is, is, is war. Now I'll go on, verse 11. And then it says this. And it says, and then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. This is the false prophet. And he had two horns like a lamb. And he spoke as a dragon. Now, interesting. Horns, again, symbolic of the authority of this, this second beast, the false prophet. But it also says he's a lamb. What does that imply? He's a religious leader. Because Jesus said false prophets will arise during the last days who will be, she, will be pretending to sheep, be sheep, but they're wolves in sheep's clothing. And so this is going to be a religious leader. And he exercises, verse 12, all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was, was healed. And he performs great signs so that it even uh, makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which was given to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to this image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And so here's what the false prophet is going to do. He's going to, again, be a counterfeit Holy Spirit. He's going to cause people to worship the Antichrist. And he's even going to, as we see here, he's going to set up this image in the temple of God where the whole world's going to be worshiping the image of the Antichrist. And then he's also going to have power, power from Satan himself to do miracles, to call fire down from heaven and do miracles. Do you know that Satan's got power? Don't ever underestimate. There's false miracles, there's false powers that Satan has to unleash his disaster upon this world. I remember one time I was watching a talk show. The talk show was kind of like Oprah kind of show. And it was this, this medium, psych, I call him a psycho, but he'd become a, you know, he was a psychic kind of guy, right? And he was having people stand up 
And then he was talking to those people that were standing up and giving them intimate information about supposedly their father or mother that had died and giving them personal information and then messages from their father and mother that had died. And, they, they, and these people started weeping during this talk show because these people knew that only their father and mother would know these intimate details that were coming forth from the psychic medium guy. Now, was that their father and mother talking to them? Probably not. But it was probably demons who knew information that was being uh, uh, counterfeited to these people as if their dad and mom were talking to them from the dead. And I was watching that and I'm going, there is a legitimate power here for information that was speaking forth in these people's lives, but it was demonic power. Now listen, this false prophet is going to have demonic power and do signs and wonders and get people to worship the Antichrist through his signs and wonders and through drawing people into that. Now, here's the good news. Good news is we have the real Holy Spirit in our lives. You know what the real Holy Spirit job, this is a counterfeit of the Holy Spirit, the false prophet is, but you know what the real Holy Spirit does for us? He does miracles in our lives. And the the power that we're told in Acts chapter 2, the power of the Holy Spirit has been unleashed into the church in these last days so that there's power of miracles, signs and wonders done by the Holy Spirit within the church of Jesus Christ. And what's the purpose of that? To draw us closer to Jesus Christ and to worship Jesus Christ. And a part of the power of the Holy Spirit is to do signs and wonders in these last days, but a part of the power of the Holy Spirit also is to draw us to be worshipers, not of the Antichrist, but of Jesus Christ. Why is the church so important? Because when we gather together in Jesus' name, the Holy Spirit's working in our lives to cause us to be worshipers of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I love it. When we gather in Jesus' name and God's spirit inhabits the praises of his people, there's power in that. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss that. (laughs) I love it when we gather in Jesus' name because the Holy Spirit's working miraculously in our lives, drawing us into God's presence, and his spirit, again, is pouring out upon us through power and drawing us to Jesus Christ. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in the church of Jesus Christ. But the opposite's going to be happening during the Antichrist's reign. This false prophet This third person of the satanic trinity is going to be causing signs and wonders to cause people to worship the Antichrist instead of Jesus Christ in his image, in his image in the temple. We went to a church while we were on vacation. It was a great church. I love the speaker. Uh, But it was a video church. And it was actually uh, Greg Laurie. is one of Greg Laurie's videos church. He had a great message. Greg Laurie's always got right, right on, strong message. But I was sitting back there watching Greg Laurie in this life-size image at this video church. And I got a little nervous because I was studying this passage while I was on vacation getting ready to teach. I'm thinking, this, is, <laughs> this image, it almost looked like Greg Laurie was up on the stage with a video. And I was thinking, that's exactly what the Antichrist is going to do in the temple. He's going to have this image, life, life-size image, but it's going to be broadcast throughout the whole world Video, probably, CNN, everything else. The whole world is worshiping the Antichrist in his image. And it's interesting because the church and the mega church throughout our our world today is already setting up the scene for for not worshiping but having video instead of real live people because that's what's going to happen in the temple in Jerusalem. 
Antichrist is going to not be personally there, but his image is going to be there, and the whole world's going to worship him. So let's not do video churches. Okay, cover chapel. We'll, we'll stick with real people, right? That's right. Although we could kind of, I could lose some weight if we did video, just kind of put it in. No, I've, actually you look bigger on video, don't you? But I don't want to ever do the video church thing because I don't want to pave the way for this image that's going to be in Jerusalem. And so that's, let's go on now, the false prophet. Let's close it up now. Verse 16. And he causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. Interesting. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. And here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. There's actually a number given to the Antichrist. Interesting. We're not the, the number, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. And here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of a man. And the number is what? Six, six, six. Now, we're not totally sure what that's all about. Scholars are divided about what that's all about. But what most scholar, Bible scholars believe is that, like with the, with the Greek language, which was the language of the New Testament, they had a numbering system. You still see the numbering system today. When they would give a number, they would have Greek letters or the, you know, the V and the I's and everything else. And those, 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 those letters would represent numbers. So most people think in some, some way the, the language of the day, there will be a numbering system of the language of the day, and the name of the Antichrist will go with the numbers 666. And what we're told here is what this false prophet's going to legislate and administrate, this religious leader pointing to the Antichrist, is he's not only going to get the whole world to worship the image of the beast in the holy temple in Jerusalem, but he's also, listen, what he's going to do is he's going to administrate a mark on the right hand of all people and, and on the forehead of all people, and people will not be able to buy and sell anything unless they have the mark of the beast. Now, a part of that mark is going to be you're identifying yourself with the Antichrist and you're worshiping the Antichrist. And now, people that become Christians during the Great Tribulation are going to be warned not to take this mark of the peace. Because Christians, you can't take this mark because you're identifying yourself not only with the Antichrist, you're worshiping him too. And we're going to be told in the next chapter, Re- Revelation 14, there's actually going to be an angel that's going to go around the world warning all the Christians, don't take the mark of the beast. Revelation 14, 9, 11 describes this. Then it says, then another angel, a third one, followed them saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives the mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is missed in full strength on the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. You see that? So there will be a warning to Christians. Don't take the mark of the beast. You know, and Christians in ages past have read this and said, How, how's Satan going to get a mark that's going to cause people to buy and sell and be able to legislate something like that worldwide? That's just impossible. And as we've grown in technology... We're seeing more and more. That's not impossible. 
I tell you, we have a rescue dog. I love our dogs, Jojo. And our rescue dog, Jojo, the only issue I got about our rescue dog, Jojo, is after we rescued her and she ended up in the church parking lot and we, we, we adopted her and stuff, but then we found out that she, she's got a chip in her. And I was thinking, she's marked. And I found out she's actually got this chip that, that, identifies, and, that identifies the owner. She's marked. And I'm going, I was so bummed when I heard that because I was thinking, my dog's not going to get raptured with me. She got, the, she got the chip. She's going to miss out. She's going to be persecuted. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't think that. But I'm serious. She's got a mark. She's got the beast mark. No, she's good. she does have a chip, though. What does that tell me? Tells me that the, the technology is already here, isn't it? And the technology. And then when we go to the store and they scan stuff. And what's this mark going to have? probably going to have a chip in, a, in, in people that receive it in their right hand and their forehead. And instead of having credit cards, just scan it. And that's going to make sense too because the Antichrist is going to, especially during the last days when chaos is just increasing in the world, there'll be more and more identity theft. There'll be more and more reason to try to get the identity within a chip in us so that people can't steal our credit cards or steal our identity. And he's just going to sell that to the world. And Christians are going to be told, again, by angels that are going to be going around the world declaring, don't take the mark of the beast because it will identify you with the Antichrist. It will cause you to be a worshiper of the Antichrist. I was reading in this, in this book that I have on Revelation about the mark of the beast, and it's interesting because it talks about this a little bit more. And it says this in um, this one article in here. It says, the U.S. federal Drug Administration has approved radio frequency microchips. This is actually from an article in the Dallas Morning News. They've approved radio frequency microchips that can be implanted under a patient's skin and scanned to instantly reveal a person's medical history, blood type, and allergies. This chip that can be implanted is about the size of a grain of rice. And it's already been implanted in more than 1,000 people in Mexico. Privacy advocates have denounced the chips, claiming that they make a dangerous step towards a future in which people will be tracked by implants or be required to have them inserted for identification or surveillance. One opponent said it would obviously be possible to inject one of these in everyone in the world. Mexico's attorney general had the device injected into his arm and those of about 160 employees to control access to high-security offices, future uses, according to the manufacturer, including enabling stores to verify a customer's identity before accepting their credit card. See, it's already in place, folks. Not only is the spirit of the Antichrist already prevalent in our world right now, but also the technology he's going to use to bring world dominion and world worship to himself. So in closing this morning, how does this apply to us? Well, first of all, I want to, want to tell you something. You know, this dominion the Antichrist is going to have, this victory even the Antichrist is going to have in killing Christians, it can't happen while the church is here. You know why? Because Jesus said this. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the church right now is the thing that's keeping back and restraining the Antichrist in his world dominion and world worship. Our job as a church is to be the light of the world. 
to be the salt of the earth. What did salt do in that culture? Salt kept things from getting rotten. It was a preservative. Salt salt kept the meat because they had no refrigeration. It kept the meat from getting rotten. We're church. Listen, church. We are supposed to be the restrainer of evil in this world. We are to be the salt of the earth. We are to be the light of the world. So let's do our job. Amen? Amen? Let's be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, proclaiming the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's be that light. Let's be that salt in these last days. And let me, let me tell you, Satan can't prevail as long as the church is here and doing their job because the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Jesus is building his church. Now, after the rapture, the world's going to go to hell. But let's not let the world go to hell until the rapture because we're doing our job being the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Amen? Amen? And then the other thing I want you to see here too is if you're not a Christian, Get right or get left, man. Get right. And if you're not walking with God and you're in rebellion or backslidden state, hey, this is not the time to be backslidden. This is not the time because soon and very soon we are going to see our king. And I don't want to know about you, but I don't want to be in a backslidden state when I'm raptured out of here and I'm seeing Jesus and I'm doing something really stupid. I don't want that to happen. I want the blessed hope of his soon return to give me an urgency to live for him. And if you're here this morning, you need to get right, get right. And if you don't know Christ, get, get Christ in your heart. Because in these last days, we need to be right with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I remember when I was a young Christian, I was a part of a group called BSU at University of Illinois. BSU was a Baptist Student Union. We had this agape house at University of Illinois where we'd fellowship and have Bible studies and stuff. And I remember this African-American uh, uh, gal was a part of our Bible study, and she was a gospel singer. And she had some pipes. She could sing. And I remember, <laughs> I remember one time she invited a bunch of us BSU students over to her house. She had a rental house on the University of Illinois campus, and she was a piano player. And she had all of us stand around the piano, and as we were standing around the panel, she started singing with that gospel, oh man, voice, it just, it was stellar. And she started singing this song, I'll never forget it, it was probably almost 40 years ago. Soon and very soon, it's Andre Crouch's song. Soon and very soon, we are going to see what? The king. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We're gonna see the king. No more dying there. We are gonna see the king. Right? And then, oh man, I remember singing that. And it was like a crescendo at the end when, Hallelujah! We're gonna see the king, man! And I remember as a young Christian singing that song with a bunch of on fire other Christians and this African American lady just leading us into heaven on that song. And I put an urgency in my heart. Said, John Hoppy, soon and very soon you're going to see your king. You better live for me. And you better do your job of being an ambassador for me and leading as many people as you know to see your king too. 
So church, soon and very soon, <laughs> we are going to see our king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to see our king. And if you're not ready for that, get ready. And I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning, if you need to, get right with God. If you're walked away and you're strayed, hey, come home, man. If you need to do that this morning, come home. If you need to receive Christ this morning, receive Christ, man. Because soon and very soon, we're going to see our king. Can I get an amen, church? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this chapter that describes our future, the future of this world. And we thank you most of all, Lord. We rejoice, Lord, that you've written many of our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you knew that even before the foundation of the world, that we would bow our knee to you, Jesus. And we'd be a part of your, your people, your royal priesthood, your holy nation, people for your own possession, to declare the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Father, I pray for us as a church that we do our job, that we'd be the light of the world in these last days, that we'd be the salt of the earth, that we'd be a holy people that are making a difference in a dark world, that we'd be bringing your truth and your grace and your light into the darkness around us, that we'd be piercing that darkness with your truth and your love in your gospel. Father, I pray for anybody that might be here this morning that it's not right with you. I pray that they'd get right. I pray if there's people here this morning that have been wandering and straying from you, I pray that today might be a day they said, okay, that's enough. Time to repent. Repentance, Father, simply is making a U-turn, having a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. And if you're here this morning and you need to just simply Make a U-turn for Christ and say, I'm not going that way anymore, Father. I'm going to go your way. I want to pray for you this morning. Or if you're here this morning and you just need to receive Christ, I want to pray for you. And if you're here this morning and I don't, whether you're just backslidden or away from God or whether you need to receive Christ for the first time, I just want you to simply raise your hand and say, Pastor John, would you pray for me that I'd make a a way back to God, that I'd repent, that I'd, I'd get get right with God, or if you need to receive Christ, uh, if just, Pastor John, would you pray with me that I just do that? If you're here this morning, you want to do that this morning. I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning. If you're here this morning, you need to get right with God. You need to, there needs to be repentance or coming back to God. Just raise your hand this morning, and I'll pray for you this morning. And if you need to receive Christ, just raise your hand, and I'll pray for you too this morning. Don't be afraid to do that. This is, repentance is an important part of the Christian life. So if you need to do that this morning, just raise your hand right now, and I'd love to pray for you right now. Back there in the back corner, praise the Lord. That's a strong stance you're taking to get right with God and get things right with God. Anybody else this morning, just raise your hand this morning. I'd love to pray for you this morning. Just a turning back to God, a turning to get right with God. Raise your hand this morning if there's there's a need for repentance and turning back to God in your life. Come on, church. I believe there's more people here this morning that need to get right with God. And if you're here this morning, you need to do that. Um, even if right here in the middle, praise the Lord. Keep your hands up too, because I want to pray for you in just a minute. Go ahead. Keep your hands up. Anybody else? God's stirring in your heart. Right here in the second row right here. God's stirring in your heart for repentance. We want to get come home and be right with God. 
Anybody else this morning? I'd love to pray for you this morning. Right back here in the middle. Praise the Lord. All you're saying is enough. I'm turning. I'm turning back to you, God. Anybody else this morning? Another individual in the, in the second row right here. I'd love to pray for you this morning. Right, for those with their hands raised up, this is your time for repentance. And if you didn't raise your hand, you know, but you need to repent of other things in your life. Don't be afraid to do that. Just in your spirit right now, if he's saying this prayer, just pray with me right now. Lord, I'm sorry for my wandering. I'm sorry for my backsliding. I'm sorry for going in wrong directions. And today, God, I want to repent. I want to be that light of the world that John was talking about, that salt of the earth. I don't want to be conformed to this world anymore. I want to be transformed. And I want to live for Christ wholeheartedly. And if you, if you have that heart right now, God loves prodigals. He loves people that acknowledge their sin and turn back to him. He's running towards you right now. And maybe you're here this morning too and you just need to open your heart to Jesus. Maybe you've never even received Christ. Well, hey, this is your time. Just open your heart and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. I receive you as my Savior and my Lord, and I will live for you the rest of my life. I pray for prodigals this morning. I pray for people that just need to have that first-time decision. I pray that you just, Jesus, come into their heart like you said you would. Give them power. Give them strength. Give them hope. Give them deliverance from demons that are oppressing or drawing them away from you, God, and give them victory in Jesus' name. And may there be a spirit of repentance, Lord, a spirit of turning back to you, God, a spirit that says, enough of choosing death, I'm choosing life, enough of choosing cursing, I'm choosing blessing by following Christ and seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness so he can add all things unto me in Jesus' name. Pray for that, Father. Just bring that repentance, bring that salvation, whatever you're doing, Lord, do that in a powerful way by your Holy Spirit. As we saw this morning, your Holy Spirit's job is to elevate Jesus Christ and to draw people to Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, we pray you be doing that even right now by your power. In Jesus' name, amen.